Amen. Good morning. Welcome back, all you holiday people. Good to see you all. Happy New Year. Hope you had a good Christmas and uh, cruising along nicely into the New Year. Who's excited about giving? Yes. <laughs> Who's excited about giving? Yay! Well, let's give. Father, thank you that you love us so much. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your grace. And even as we give, Lord, I just ask for a blessing over every family represented here that you bless their finances, their positions. You increase them and multiply them in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, you can pass the basket. So I just want to welcome everybody once again. Good to see you all. So, who has registered yet for the gathering of the kingdom tribes? All right, only the three of you have registered. Exciting. <laughs> no, the funnest thing is whenever we have uh, events, it's people from other places and churches that get in on the front of the line, and you guys always come in the back of the line. Why? See, the funniest thing is, you pay for it, other people just come to attend. No. No. <laughs> I already did last Sunday, or the other Sunday. <laughs> okay, find somebody who knows. All right, Barry, where are you? Huh? One more time, show them how to do it. Why is it important that you register? We need to have an idea of how many people intend to come so our logistics can be applied on accordingly. So if you're planning on coming, we need to know if you're coming. Okay? Because if you don't do anything, we'll assume you're not coming. Okay? You go to the church website, easy. And you do that. And then you just do that. Whatever Barry's doing, that's all you need to do. And then that comes up. If you like that cute boy and that cute girl, click on them. But you can just do that. And there where it says register for this event. Come on, click on it, Barry. Anyway, register there. <laughs> okay, and where it says selected date, just click on that and click on anything. Just click on anything. Church website. And then where it says register, you register. Finished. Refresh your page. Yes, refresh it. Problem solved. <laughs> oh dear. Who's paying for the donation? 
Okay, maximum you can register is 10. Yeah. Okay, so the general idea, the event is free, but um, there's an option to donate. And most amazingly is... Uh, people from elsewhere have been donating. So we are hoping that the donations that people give would cover the cost of uh, hiring the facilities. And uh, share on Facebook. Okay, so when you register, you share on Facebook to tell your friends. Probably that brings us to the second announcement. Is that... uh, we were wanting to engage our local, not just local, the Christian community on a much broader spectrum with this event. We don't want to make it our own local thing. And this is why we chose to be at the Kabucha Showgrounds where there's, uh, I think, uh, uh, we can seat comfortably about 3,000 people. So we need as much as possible, as many people as possible to know about the event, uh, which means uh, you guys got to tell everybody you know on your Facebook, on your tweet face. And And on your thing, just uh, uh, so far, I think we've got uh, nearly 350 people registered. So it's a good start because we've actively been uh, taking registration over just about over a week on uh, and a bit. So, well, 350 in a week and a bit is a lot. Our capacity at the showgrounds is 3,000. Okay, so let's make it about the community, not about us. And that's why we're also working with uh, local churches around uh, that are coming on board, not just to attend, but to actively be involved in organizing and arranging and all that. And uh, finally finalized, the New Earth Tribe will be leading the worship for the three days. So, um, they're excited, we're excited, and uh, Heidi will be doing uh, the two days, uh, the Friday and the Saturday, and the Sunday evening, uh, the guys from the New Earth Tribe were doing the event, so uh, Sunday evening event uh, continues, so either Phil or Maria uh, will be sharing, so that's exciting, everything's exciting. So... It's about bringing the churches in our area and the engage and worship under the banner of Jesus. Um, I just, as I've been praying and we're starting to organize and go through it, the whole heart of it is the gathering of the Australian bride, the awakening of the Australian bride. So it's the gathering of the bride across the nation to release a cry of worship, of prayer and intercession for our nation. So it's more than just coming to an event to um, sit under the ministry of Mama Heidi. It's It's something for us as a people to gather together. It's not coming to receive. It's for us to gather together and release a voice in the atmosphere in our nation, release a cry, release an awakening. So I believe it has great power and authority in what the Lord's doing in our nation this year. So it's bigger than just an event, you know. It's bigger than just come to this thing. It's us gathering and across the nation and, um, you know, people gather and release stuff all over the place, but we want to release this heart cry, deep, passionate. So we're just going to go for it with the worship. That's the heart. And um, Paul? and pray, (laughs) and um, we're going to just 
like a release an exploding awakening um, for our nation. So get that heart in you. And as you talk to people, release that, not just come to an event, but come and let's join together as the corporate bride. So it's not us putting this on, it's we, the Australian bride, gathering of the kingdom tribes together to stand as one and we're going to release a cry. I'm making a little blurb. We've got a few of the girls. We're going to be ringing around. All the church is making contacts. I'm making a little blurb that, so we're all saying the same sort of stuff and getting it out there and get the passion and the heart there. So, are you guys on board? Yeah, we've had this on our heart for a long time. And depending on how this works out, we'd like to see this become an annual event where we just gather the Australian bride under the banner of Jesus. So, yeah, uh, and uh, with every battle that is ever won, It's one before the battle begins. The amount of preparation you put into a battle, the amount of resources, the, heart of co- the amount of commitment that we put in it, determines the outcome. So showing up on the last day and engage, that's a very good way of ensuring a defeat. And we know if we are to see any discernible breakthrough in what we are hoping to see, a lot of it will begin on the amount of commitment and intercession you guys begin to put in it now. Okay? So that by the time you go to actual war, it's just uh, collecting the spoils because the battle was won a long time ago. So, um, I know we have our traditions and culture, even for the church. We're just sharing that. Paul was just sharing. There was a time when church used to meet at 8.30 and have intercession before the service begin. And those have just become things where we've moved on with whatever we've moved on to. And then we wonder why there's so little, little breakthrough and fruit in the services, in the sermons, and in the worship, and in our. I don't know, probably this is the modern age where church is cut down to conveniency other than necessity. Hmm, that's good English there. <laughs> so a few people, Gwen and Paul, and Jeffrey, separately, have uh, approached me over the last couple of weeks. If uh, people can begin again to gather at 8.30 and intercede and engage heaven, have a breakthrough, win the battles before the war begins. You see, pastors, bishops, apostles, they are only as good as the people that support them. So, if I'm not doing very well, it's your fault. (laughs) Finally, I put the blame back on you. But does that make sense? We can operate and release the anointing 
quite relevant to the amount of support and intercession. The Moseses could only keep their hands held up for as long as the Joshua's helped keeping their hands up. I guess we gotta go back to that place of recapturing the first love. We should never really get the good old days to the past. Because the good old days are meant to follow you all the days of your life. Your engagement with God should not be in the past. Yeah? When I was young. No, it doesn't have to be about when you were young. What is happening in your life now today? Huh? When I was young, we used to pray. Actually, now you are old, you've retired, you don't have the loan to do. Pray more. <laughs> How about that? So, apparently, what is on the offer these days? So you hear that? What's on offer? It belongs to the violent. Because only them will take it by force. Why? The devil is not going to surrender it willingly. <laughs> Okay, so 8.30, intercession. We can start praying for the service, but also use the same uh, gathering to start sowing and praying for, for the gathering of the kingdom tribes. So naturally, we church people have super ways of uh, getting out of anything. It's funny. No, I'm not called to intercession, so I'm not going to come. Funny that only farmers eat. (laughs) I don't know if somebody got the connection there. So can we look into that, guys? Starting next Sunday. 8.30, let's come worship, not worship, intercede, come take the city, come take the region, come take the town, come take the nation, come set the nation on fire, at the very least just set yourself on fire, that the world may watch you burn. It's funny that in a very sad way, one Muslim kid in Tunisia set himself on fire, literally, and the whole Middle East changed. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Who knows what I'm talking about? The Arab Spring, that's how it began. One kid just had enough at the market with all these people, the nation, the politics, and he doused fuel on himself and set himself alight. And what followed was governments across the Middle East being toppled, replaced, and an uprising of the people that the world has never seen. 
one kid. What about if the rest of us, the four of us, the three of us, the ten of us, can set our hearts on fire for Jesus? It only takes one to put a thousand to flight. Amen. Okay, I think that was all the announcements. <laughs> uh, part of the word that Kathy was sharing this morning or shared was about the wave of the Spirit. That will be very confronting. If you remember what I was talking about the other day, that should encourage you. Because what does confrontation do? Anybody remembers? No. Okay, I'll move on. (laughs) I'll leave you not knowing. But because I like you this much, I'll remind you. Confrontation empowers you to become what you were born to be. Okay? So if confrontation, if somebody comes to your face and says things and they do not empower you to become who you were born to be, they just criticized you and condemned you. They didn't empower you, so they didn't confront you. So as a, a church, a believer, a body, not just this one. Worldwide, we are very good at criticizing. And we've even built an industry of critics. Food critics. Cook your own! And stop criticizing other people's cooking. Film critic, make your own movie and stop criticizing other people's movies. So we've put it in a way where it's become acceptable to criticize everybody's hard work. And when you go to Bible college, what does a professor do when you do your sermon at church? <laughs> Seriously? Seriously. <laughs> and that's why most of the people that ever go to Bible college, the sermon that they preached and the professor critiqued was the last sermon they ever preached in their lives. Because why would you ever want to do that again? Have a people that I've shared and preached, and then they're asking me, How did I go? And my best answer is always, How do you think you went? <laughs> I didn't know give the professors criticism, so they were shocked. So how you think you went is the only thing that matters. Anyway, is that the word preaching or teaching? We'll make it very simple and very quick. Malachi chapter 4. 
Yeah. Everyone there? Well, we're collecting Bibles for Africans. We are paying to do that, collecting Bibles for the Australians too. Let's start from the sad things. Surely the day is coming. Okay? What does that mean when they say surely? Absolutely, definitely, without any doubt, questions. This day is definitely going to come. Okay? Which day is this? Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. Mm. All the arrogant and every evildoer will stumble. Okay. Feels good. <laughs> and that day is coming. And that day that is coming will set them on fire. Says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you. Yeah? Yeah? But for you who revere my name. The sun of righteousness will rise with healing. Yeah. Okay. So what is a promise? That day is definitely coming. Okay. It's not a question of if. But a matter of when. That the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And when that happens, and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Then you will trample down the wicked. There will be ashes under the sole of the feet on that day when I do this thing, says the Lord Almighty. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and the laws that I gave him and Haram for all Israel. Okay, now that we're listening, we're actually talking about verse 5 and 6. Then, okay, see, on that day, I will send the prophet Elijah. Okay, what is God going to do? Who send the prophet Elijah. Before that great and dreadful day, Of the Lord. Verse 6. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And the hearts of the children to their fathers. Or I will come and strike the land with a curse. I know we've talked about this and you've heard talk and preaching about this most of your Christian life and that's why we're talking about it again. So a few definite things is there is a day that is coming. It's the day of the Lord. 
And before that day comes, God wants to do something. And what God wants to do before that day comes is put a cry and the desire of all generations. And it's been a topic and a cry for most intercession meetings. We want to see the day of the Lord. We want to see a revival. We want to see an outbreak. We want to see an outpour. We want to see a restoration of all things. And that's precisely what God wants to do. And how he's going to do that was to send the Spirit or to send Elijah. Okay? We know that John the Baptist was how the spirit of Elijah. And it was a spirit of reconciliation. So putting it differently, before that great day of the Lord, the Lord wants to bring a healing in our hearts. He wants to bring a spirit of reconciliation and he wants to release a spirit of repentance because everything that God wants to do can only be achieved and done in an atmosphere of reconciliation repentance and restoration What God wants to do and what God is doing in these latter days cannot be done outside relationships. Okay? What God is doing cannot be done or achieved outside relationships. Years ago, I heard the guy, Dean Sherman. He teaches on spiritual warfare and relationships. He came up with a statement that every problem in human life, in the world, in humanity, every war, every battle, every conflict you can ever think about, that has ever been, is, and will ever be, is because of relationships. Every suffering, every misery, is because of relationships. Why do kings go to war? Bad relationship. They misunderstood. Why did they misunderstand? If they had a better communicable relationship, they would have talked it out. So if every difficult, every challenge, every war we have is because of relationship, what is at the core of every relationship? It is the root of all relationships. It is a relationship with your father. The relationship with your father impacts every other relationship in your life. So John or Carol are not in Toronto. They simplified counseling to one basic question. Pastor, what she did to me, you wouldn't you didn't believe. Wow. Did he do that to you, right? Yes, he did that to me. T- 
tell me the relationship about your father. And in most cases is whatever issues they were having when they talk about the relationship with their father, you could see key issues manifested in every other relationship with other people. So, if what God wants to do cannot be done, cannot be achieved, cannot be accomplished outside relationship, and if the key major relationship in all your life it is that with your father. Does that surprise you that when he sends the spirit of Elijah, he would reconcile the hearts of the father to the sons? Does that surprise you? So this revival, we've been praying and talking and singing and dancing about that God wants to do. He begins with your relationship with your father. He begins with how you see your heavenly father. How you see. See, the symbol matrix is How you see your earthly father determines how you see your heavenly father. And how you see your heavenly father determines how you see everybody around you. Does that make sense? How you see your earthly father determines how you see your heavenly father. And how you see your heavenly father Impacts on how you see everybody around you. So if we have a skewed, uneven, unhealth perception of our earthly fathers because of the natural earthly issues we have had with them, it impacts on how we see our heavenly father. I know that because growing up, my earthly father was always drunk. And I could never ask for my earthly father for anything. So the number one thing I learned as a little boy was, if you want anything, you got to go get it yourself. You cannot be, rely on your father to do it for you. Okay? And the saddest thing in our culture, we reward, applaud, and celebrate these often tendencies. Oh, that one is a go-getter. <laughs> we celebrate orphans. He doesn't need anyone. He can do it anything. And if you need anything done, just get that person. So striving becomes an acceptable part of how we live. And boy, the more I went and got, the more I realized that people love it. And they celebrate you. So when I became a Christian, I was an incredible God-getter for Jesus. So good that I didn't need to ask God for anything. Why am I not asking God for anything? Because the last time I asked the Father, it was hopeless. So my head knows, but my spirit still struggles from the impact of my Natural experiences. So word is, in these last days, in these last days, God 
wants sons to be reconciled to their fathers. And the first part of reconciliation is that we got to come to a point where we recognize our shortcoming. We got to come to a place where we recognize our wrong. And recognition of our wrong leads us to a place of repentance. So, it's not about kissing and hugging and moving on. It is about restoring, healing, embracing, and kissing and hugging. What the Father wants to do is far beyond what giftings, anointing, talents can carry. We're coming from a couch in the history where revival has been propelled by giftings, anointings, and personalities. But that only goes as far as as the personalities and the giftings go before they break. So when he turns the hearts of the sons to the fathers, something incredible happens. The sons become about the father's business. You get that? The sons become about the father's business. Jesus would say, I am. Don't you know that I should be about my father's business, which means they live, they breathe, they walk to see the desires of their father become a reality through their lives. In a place where our hearts are not reconciled to his heart, Our ambitions and pursuits become all about us. My dream, my ambition, my desire. But when our hearts are reconciled to his heart, it becomes about his dream, his ambition, his desire. You see... It's not that there is anything wrong with our dreams, our ambitions, and our desire. It's not that God cannot use our dreams, our ambition, and our desire. The only little conflict is that what God wants to do through you is way bigger than your ambition. So if God worked according to your ambition, it limits him. If God works according to your desire, it limits him. So to be able to do what he wants to do, he says, put your little puny desire aside and take up a huge, gigantic desire on you, then we can do as much as I want you to do. Okay? So nothing wrong with your desire. Nothing wrong with your ambition. It's just what God wants to do through you. It's slightly bigger than what you are aiming at. That makes sense. So,
He is an incredible thing. Not only is he wanting the sons to tend their hearts to their fathers, it is also him, the father, wanting to turn his heart towards you. That instantly, you become the beneficiary and recipient of the outworking and outflow of the biggest heart in the whole universe. So, it is impossible for the biggest heart to be turned towards you if you are still struggling with puny desires. Because a bigger heart is not going to fit into the tiny heart. The desire of all ages is not going to fit into the tiny desire. Okay? So you become the recipient of his affection. The recipient of his love. The recipient of his grace. The recipient of his goodness. The recipient of his favor. The recipient of his kindness. The recipient of his mercy. Because his heart is towards, uh, towards you. Okay? And if you think that was big, when his heart is towards you, turn towards you, you become an heir to everything he is. Now, that's huge. See, it's not that we don't have that already. We already have that. But it is our mind view, our woundedness, our skewedness, according to the natural bad experiences we have had that hinders us from stepping into the fullness of the great riches that the cross unlocked for you and me. So, what does this last day God is talking about in Malachi look like? What does this revival that will never end look like? It looks like a father who's so madly in love with his kids and the kids that are so totally abandoned to their father. It looked like a place where people really, really like each other. And in a place where people really, really like each other, it's in a place where 100% of the diseases, diseases are healed. I didn't just make that one up. Because the Bible said, Jesus moved with compassion. He healed them all. What was the foundation and the basis for healing them all? Compassion. And where does compassion come from? Love. So that means in between and in among God's people, there is a flow of a fountain of deeper love where there's a greater level of compassion, where there's no disease that cannot be healed. And this is why it's going to be the greatest revival. Because finally, kids learned to like each other. You see, but what's the first place about kids learning to like each other? Is being confident in who they are 
before their dad. Yeah, we'll hear about that from the neighbors. Are we understanding what I'm saying here? Now, we have this thing lopsided. What are we contending for? Every disease to be healed. Well, you can contend for every disease to be healed. Goat dust and fairy tales and all that thing. They are awesome. But what is the underlining thing that makes those conditions possible? Relationships. Ever wondered why scripture says, Behold, where brethren dwell together in unity, there I command a blessing. You know? So, what he's saying is, if you people could figure out how to get on along nicely and like each other, you're going to see stuff you've only dreamed about. If you could figure out how to be nice to each other, oh boy. There will never be any opposition you will not overcome. You see, some of the things we cry out for a miracle, they don't need a miracle. They just need somebody to be nice. Oh, Lord, I would like to have, uh, help me with $20. Well, maybe if the guy next to you who's got $40 was nice enough, they'll just give it to you. Funny enough, that the last time it is recorded in the Bible where there was no need among the believers, they were actually nice to each other. Do you remember that part in the Bible? That they were so nice to each other that there was none among them with the need. All right, I'll send the counsel to you. <laughs> yeah. You should tell them to have it down the road there. Then we can say we don't know those kids. <laughs> All right. Are we following this? This is the secret of what God wants to do. And this is why God goes through a way out of his way. Not only to send Elijah, who's going to carry the spirit that brings restoration, but he sends his son. Did you hear that, who he sent? I don't think you really got that. I know you've been reading about that. You've been hearing about that. But I don't think you've ever stopped to think about it. He sent his son. Not his servant. Not his angel. Not his prophet. But his son. So through the son there can be revelation of the heart of the father. So that the orphans can have an idea what it looks like to have a father. So the fatherless can have an idea on what the father is like. And by having an insight of what the father is like, they can be sons too.
probably the biggest, most incredible thing about the cross is not that Jesus died and you are forgiven. Is that Jesus came and the world saw the Father. As he would say to those guys, have I been with you this long and you still don't know who the Father is? That Jesus is a very revelation of the Father. Tyler, what does revival look like? It looks like a family. Right, guys? What does revival look like? It looks like a family. One of the, I've said this over and over. We guys are learning to like each other. But the thing about learning to each other, it puts us a little bit ahead towards other people that are still yet to figure out that they need to like each other. Okay? So you may not like each other, but at least you know that you need to like each other. (laughs) So that's, Incredible grounds covered just there. <laughs> and every overseas trips we've gone to, somebody's always mentioned that you people seem to genuinely like each other. And these are people that have got a lot of international mission teams that go to them. And they could see the difference that these ones like each other genuinely. So where we feel we don't really like each other, so you wonder what other people are like. (laughs) At a point where we've got more than 200 churches with more than a following of more than 20,000 people today, it's not that we preached one most incredible sermon We just preached God is a father and he likes you. And funny enough, that's the message more than 20,000 people want to hear more. We didn't do any fancy stuff. We just say, actually, he's not angry with you. He's not there to get you. He just loves you. And he wants you to know that he loves you. And the whole world is saying, Can we be a part of that? Can we be a part of that? Can we be a part of that? For the first four years of the Toronto revival, I think they had more than about four million people come to the church. Where did they go to here? Because somebody finally discovered that God loves them. Have you seen just about every church that has had uh, exponential growth over the last 10 years or 15 years? What the theme of their messages are? God loves them. So it doesn't surprise me. That if the movement and the revival that is coming and God wants to do begins with family. Coming to the confrontational part that I think was referred to. There is no reconciliation without confrontation. There is no reconciliation without confrontation. So when we've lived and behaved as a church, 
We didn't have to do that. Because you just leave and go to another church. You don't have to deal with it. Yeah. Who do you think you are? I'm just going to go next door. And over there, things stayed up. Yeah, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go next door. But we have a culture of church surfing. Why are we good church surfers? Because we don't want to stick in one place and deal with issues. We're not willing to confront the wave. So, so if you are called to church, you just go to the church. And we've come up with super words. Uh, it's a kingdom. I go to this church, go to that church. doesn't matter. It's God's kingdom. Well, it may be so. But if you looked at church's family, you just don't quit on your family. They might be obnoxious. You might be dreading, dreading Christmas. But eventually you drag your feet over there and put up with them. <sighs> Christmas again. <sighs> Is Uncle John coming? Oh. <laughs> See, but the thing about family, it puts you in a place where the only option is dealing with the issue other than running away from the issue. And that's where you begin to see genuine reconciliation. That's where you begin to see genuine healing of hearts, minds, souls, spirits, attitudes, and emotions. See, the thing about the incredible wisdom of God, I may have an issue with Jeffrey, and then I run away from the issue with Jeffrey, and I avoid Jeffrey, and I begin to hang out with Marco, who's more awesome than Jeffrey. Okay? But in the grand scheme, God will stir up the same issue. I was having with Jeffrey between me and Marco. Why? He's giving me an opportunity to deal with what I ran away from. No, I'm, you just become like Jeff, I'm leaving. So I start hanging out with Barry because he's more awesome. And what does my friendship begin with, like with Barry? Barry, you are so awesome. I appreciate you. You are not like Marco. <laughs> you wouldn't believe the stuff that Marco did to me. And then we have a few barbecues, and the same issue pops up again. And then because I said so much, I don't even say anything. I just quietly sneak away. And he knows Barry, so. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Let's go back <laughs> and talk to Jeff. <laughs> All right, he's in about me. He, you see that? He thinks he's a prophet. <laughs> Who is he to tell me what? You know, Steve has got a lot of control. <laughs> he was controlling me about who I play with. I just wanted to hang out with Tony. Ah. <laughs> uh. You guys know what I'm talking about, don't you? And thus, the Father wants us to be in binding relationships. Where we are accountable, we can be vulnerable, 
And when things come about, we just have to confront the issues, deal with them, work them through, and that's where we have reconciliation. Now, the most incredible thing, I know there's a lot I can talk about here, this excites me, but I'll stop. When I say, Jeff, um, when you said what you said, I, I, I didn't really like it. Oh, my heart feels good, so okay, I forgive you. So, I've forgiven him, he's forgiven me, we have had a breakthrough. Okay, friend, now the thing about breakthrough, what most Christians don't understand is that wherever in your life you've experienced a breakthrough, you have authority. And you carry that authority in whichever relationship you get into. So, when I come to Marco, I bring a spirit of reconciliation. I bring a spirit of healing. I bring a spirit of restoration. So should Marco be in a place where he struggles in any of those areas, my gift to him is restoration, reconciliation, and healing. So when I come to Barry, what do I bring? Reconciliation, restoration, and healing. When I come to him, what do I bring? Restoration, reconciliation, and healing. That's good. So that's what we take. Okay? Whatever breakthrough you've had in your life, it doesn't go away. Did you know that? Whatever breakthrough you've had in your life never goes away. It's the authority you carry in every ministry, in every relationship. And whatever you run away from, will always follow you because God is very nice. He wants to give you an opportunity to overcome. Does that make sense? So he'll send the spirit of Elijah and he'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons. And when you see this reconciliation, this repentance is flowing both ways. It's flowing from the Father to the sons and from the sons to the Father. In the words of Paul, the biggest problem the church had was not immorality, adultery, and all those things. No. The biggest problem the church had, it had too many guardians and very few fathers. Eh? Too many guardians, very few fathers. But when this comes, church will have more fathers, which creates an atmosphere of healing, restoration, and reconciliation, and which creates a place where there's greater, deeper levels of love and intimacy, an atmosphere of compassion where all diseases are healed and where none among them is in lack because they share all things in common. Hallelujah. All right, let's stand.